I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we try to cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. My guest today is Dr. or uh, Lieutenant Colonel, I don't not sure what to call you. Pat Castle Pat. Uh, is uh, <laughs> Dr. Pat. Uh, Pat is a, a South Dakota native, and um, Pat, I'm, I'm really excited you're here. I think we could we could spend an entire 30 minute broadcast just talking about your fascinating story. But I'm going to tease people with it just a little bit. But then I want them to go out there and little, learn a little more about you on your own because you've done a lot in the media, um, uh, Catholic media, and, and otherwise, and you're maybe best well known in the, in these parts for being the, the founder uh, of, of life runners. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the show, Pat. Hey, thanks Chris. All in Christ. Yeah. For pro life. And <laughs> I am, uh, we'll, we'll get to life runners a little bit later in the show. I, I do got to start out. I'm a very proud life runner uh, for the second year in a row. Now we've, um, we've put the big banner out in our yard. We have the good fortune of living on the Sioux Falls marathon uh, route. Oh, yeah. And been a lot of great conversation there, but but Pat, to kick off our conversation, you know, people are we're in a voting season. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. yep, we're we're all ready for car commercials again. Is yeah. the joke? Um, yeah. Some people may be hearing this broadcast on Real Presence Radio on election night, mm. um, and so as we're we're talking about, we're going to talk about pro life, and we're going to talk about voting, and I want to read something um, before you and I begin our conversation. This is from an introduction to forming consciences for faithful citizenship. This is something the U S conference of Catholic bishops an introduction that they just updated uh, this last, last year. Here's what they write the bishops. Um, Some challenges have become even more pronounced. Pope Francis has continued to draw attention to important issues such as migration, xenophobia, racism, abortion, global conflict, and care for creation in the United States and around the world. Many challenges demand our attention. The threat of abortion, they write, remains our preeminent priority Mm. because it directly attacks life itself because it takes place within the sanctuary of the family and because of the number of lives destroyed. Yeah. Mm. What did, when you, when you hear me read that, Pat, what, uh, what do you think? I'll start with the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. But the end was the number of lives destroyed. Mm. And it's interesting. We can't assume that, even us pro-lifers remember the magnitude of those numbers. So just a real quick run of the numbers. We're currently at the pace of 850,000 abortions per year in the United States. Of course, one abortion is an infinite number too many. And when you break that number down, our pace is 2,500 American lives are lost in the womb every day. And that's on comparison to a September 11th number, which was about 3,000, 3,007 to be exact. Actually, if you Google it, you're going to read 2,996. But if you go to the 9-11 memorial, they put an unborn child after 11 of the mother's names. So we know of 11 unborn babies and were recognized at the 9-11 memorial, which is such an interesting speaking out of both sides of our mouth. You know, a child's a child when uh, somebody wants the child and not a child when somebody doesn't want the child. And of course, you and I both know that child is always wanted. So I riled off 850,000 abortions per year. Contrary to that, there's only 18,000 adoptions per year 
in America. So these numbers, leading off of these numbers, more just perspective for everyone. One out of five pregnancies in America are aborted. Uh, one out of three American women in their childbearing age have had an abortion, which, you know, when you look at the other side, the pro-abortion side, uh, they, their current strategy, so the strategy is quick review. Uh, at Roe v. Wade time, the strategy was they went against biology and they told the lie that it's not, there's not a life at conception. Yeah. Of course, yeah. now we know that's a lie. It was a lie then. Scientists knew it then. Now everybody knows it. The second lie is they, they pinned mother against child with the pro-choice mantra, uh, a choice between mother or child. And then the third lie was we called it healthcare for the last decade or so. That lie has been eroded pretty hard. Yeah. And we've gone to work hard in the pro-life movement saying abortion clinic. There's nothing clinic about an yeah. abortion clinic. Yeah. Uh, my last Air Force job is I commanded an Air Force hospital, Chris. So there's, yeah. I know what a clinic is. We all know what a clinic is. People go there yeah. to get well, right. not to die and get hurt. And then the current lie, <clears throat> and I piggied off those numbers, the current lie by the abortion industry is that abortion is normal. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of understand how they've made their case. Because listen to the numbers. One in three American women have had an abortion. One in five yeah. pregnancies end abortion. But of course, in our faith, when we look at it from the lens of faith, there's nothing normal about abortion. Practically, spiritually, philosophically, theologically, politically. Yes. I mean, all those arguments, it's not an argument. Um, it's truth. And we know the truth of the matter is, is abortion isn't normal. But just to let everyone know, that's the current strategy yeah. in the pro-abortion industry. And for, for mm -hmm. listeners who are not familiar with you and your story, I, I should point out, too, that you're not, um, you know, it's a, you're not some guy sitting in your basement just sort of, you know, counting up. The, you're a, you've got a PhD in, in like nanochemistry or something. You are, I do. You know, so when you're speaking to, to the science of this, um, you know, you're right. speaking both from the perspective of uh, mm. faith and like, you know, what should we think of as normal between right and wrong? Yeah. But you've also got the training and background to really actually understand what actually Correct. is happening. So, yeah. So for me, when, when I see a zygote, which is our first cell of our body, you know, yeah. after that moment of conception, when that zygote's formed, um, like we, we've been changing since the moment. We're still changing right now. Anyone listening, your body's changing. So change doesn't happen. That was fully you then. And being a nano analytical chemist, when I look at a zygote, our first cell, there's two thoughts I have. One, wow, look at that. There's our yeah. first baby picture. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I look at it and go, wow, that is a skyscraper of life. Yeah. So from my perspective, which is 1,000th, um, the level of a microscopic image of a zygote. Um, my, my PhD is down on the nano level, which is the atomic level. And for people to just get a fun perspective of that, if you would slice one of your hairs the long way 10,000 times, one ten thousandth the width of a human hair, that's the atomic level. That's where I did my work. Oh. And so I do bring the perspective of, um, yeah, that's life. That's biology. And then, of course, we have philosophy. First, do no harm. If yeah. anyone has any doubt, we already know life begins at conception. But even if you have any, well, I'm not sure, you know, seeing is believing. Well, if you have any doubt, first, you know, when in doubt, don't act. We yeah. know that about philosophy. Right. And then we know from the standpoint of politics, we know the first duty of government is to protect the people. That's yeah. the first duty of I would politics. point out, especially children. Yeah. There's, there's a special right. interest in children. Yeah, you, you know. bet. 
And they speak that, isn't it? Wasn't it wild listening to the debates when you hear about protecting children and we want to do this? We're like, wow, think about the 63 million children in our own country that have been aborted that no one wants to talk about or the 2,500 the day of that debate that lost yeah. their life to abortion. And then finally, theology. Notice I left theology for last. Yeah. From a theological standpoint, our God said he knew us before we were in our mother's wombs, Jeremiah 1, 5. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, God makes it clear that, yeah. um, you know, we, we're, we've been alive before we even were conceived. So on every level of our being, there's not an argument. Yeah. Like this is an opinions. This is facts. And we love to put the, the real momentum on facts, truth, you know, well, so, well, <laughs> truth. And that's, you know, just like with that momentum on truth, let's pivot now into getting out the vote. I know you've been working okay. really hard as a Catholic layman, yeah. uh, as a citizen of this great country, trying to get out the pro-life vote. And yeah. obviously there's one of the things that John Paul II really encouraged the church to have. He talks about this in Ecclesia in America is we need to have a really uh, finely developed sense of the theology of the lady and the theology of of clergy, mm-hmm. obviously, I work for I work for bishops. I work for clergy. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not partisan, and you'll often hear them say, you know, we're we're teaching in faith and morals. We're teaching the issues, but that's not to say that hey, we as lay people, um, we we're actually that's our field of evangelizing activity. We need to be in the trenches, yeah. getting our hands dirty. So I know you've been working really hard. You live in Omaha now, working really really hard, getting out the pro life vote in anticipation mm-hmm. of this, this big day next, next Tuesday, um, maybe, maybe make the case for us. Why, why pro-life? Why should that be our number one priority as we're, as we're looking to cast our vote? Yeah. So you started with it. I, lo- I love the transition because we started with the end of the quote from the USCCB, which was the numbers, the numbers. Absolutely. And you know, even if there was a place that, that aborted, one child per day yes. or one child per year or was planning to abort a child. We in our faith, because of the infinite value of life, it would still be our top priority that an innocent life was going to be, um, you know, ended. Yeah. So we, we understand why it's a preeminent issue in the USCCB. So from that perspective, yes, that is the top of the list when we lean in to what we need to stand for when we vote. People always are asking me for perspective on a response. So I do a lot of pro-life apologetics and people ask like, how do you counter someone that accuses us of being one issue voters? And the best analogy I've gone so far is it comes down to uh, qualification. Somebody that is running for government office that does not uh, realize that at the top of the list as a government leader is to protect the people. If they cannot embrace that is, that is at the top of the list of what the, the position that they are campaigning for. I'll just put it this way. They're not qualified. So if they're not qualified, you've just real quickly eliminated them from competing. Another way, if a voter wants another way of looking at it from a pro-life apologetics, Look at it as a gate issue. Imagine that the gate into all issues is being alive. Because if you're not alive, how or why would any of the issues matter? And it seems almost silly 
that we have to use that sort of logic to have the perspective of, right, like we need to start from the standpoint of we're alive or we're going to defend life. Now let's talk about quality of life or priorities of life. And that's all the other issues. So you, that's why it's the preeminent. It's, it's theologically, you know, Christ left the 99 to go after the one. He was able to do that because of the value of life. Yeah. He was able to leave the 99 unprotected. And he's able to do that because that one life was worth as much as the 99, all the sheep. And let's talk. Yeah, that's so beautiful and so well put. And one of the things maybe to highlight too is, you know, we're airing people maybe listening on the podcast whenever they want at their convenience, mm -hmm. um, or they may be listening on the radio, which we are broadcasting this episode, Tuesday night, it's election night. They've maybe already cast their vote. So mm. what, what thoughts do you have on, on ways in which this, this preeminence of a pro-life ethic in terms of our political commitments, how does, this, how does this carry into the rest of our lives as citizens beyond election day? Why is right. it important? And to transition to that after election day, and for those that are, are here in our conversation before the election, obviously get out and vote. I mean, get out and vote. It's, you know, I'm just going to say it this way. It's unpatriotic not to vote. And if you're sitting in this, oh, I don't like either candidate. Listen, you, it's not about whether you like the candidates. Ask yourself, even if you don't like either one, which one holds the values that you hold? And pull the lever, vote the lever, vote the what they stand for, and just get over this personality hurdle. You know, that's pride. It's a sin. I mean, if we're not voting out of that we don't like someone or how they said it, that there's, there's an element of pride uh, when you break that down. So we need to get over our pride and we need to say for the least of these, for in defense of our neighbor, we need to vote accordingly. And of course, there's always, if you want to label it, and I don't like this term, but if it helps somebody, the least of two evils, you know, however you need to do it, pick the, the greater good is the positive way of saying that. Pick the greater good and absolutely get out and vote. So, you know, what's on the line? We know it's on the line. We just got done given the perspective of the numbers, you know, we compared those numbers. There's been more loss of life in one year of abortion than all combat casually in the history of our country. And Chris, thank you for your service in the Marine Corps, Semper Fi, always Semper. faithful. Once a Marine, always a, a Marine. I mean, you are a frontline guy. And here you are battling for life and for faith and things that matter most. It makes sense to me, you know, your, your character. So I'm very grateful for you as, as a Marine. And when you think about the perspective of that, and you think that, you know, we lost 650,000 Americans in direct combat, so combat casualties in the history of our country. And then to think that we are current, our current pace, 850,000 abortions per year, more loss to abortion in any given year since 1973 than all combat casualties. So we gotta, we gotta vote with the perspective of it is the preeminent issue. The other thing I would say, is I read a stat that 61% of Americans don't like to talk about who they're going to vote for mm. or why they're going to vote or anything about voting, just period. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. We got to get over it. I mean, if you need a quote from St. Paul to give you a little mojo today, getting ready to where you're going to vote or not vote or who you're going to vote for, this is what St. Paul said. He said, I believe. And so I speak. If you believe, if you believe, 
that God formed us uh, even before in our mother's womb. If you know that life begins at conception, if you understand that as Americans, our first priority is to defend the freedom of life, just the very freedom. Look, look at our Declaration of Independence. We declared, what did we declare first? Life. And what was the second thing we declared? Liberty. How about the freedom to live? And oh, by the way, dot, 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 Catholic conference and the freedom of religion. And so the right for religion to be able to, to worship, that's speech, to praise and worship, vote that. We believe, if you believe you're listening and you believe, then my goodness, go vote it, speak. And this is the age of social media. Chris, think how easy it is to encourage our neighbor. You know, we're not asking like, go knock on doors tonight or today or whenever you're out for a run right now. How about just make a post? How about you just put a post that says, I'm going to vote pro-life or I voted pro-life and there's nothing more important and here's why. Why not just a, uh, to be able to defend the least of these. I'll tell you what, you're gonna get a bunch of high fives um, when you enter the kingdom from mm -hmm. all those that you spoke up for. And we gotta think like that. Yeah. The heavenly host, the communion of saints, yeah. come on, let's not act like that's weird. I mean, everyone that's had a loved one that's passed away, admit it. You still have that sense of communication with your faithful mother or father or a grandparent. Come on, of course we believe in the communion yeah. of saints and angels. So. You know, I've got St. John Paul II over my right shoulder. I got St. Pio, if you look over. He's pointing to St. John Paul II. He's giving he's him a high runner. five. I didn't know that. Yeah. People he's a can't life see runner. this on you, radio, but he's wearing you, a jersey. You got it. You got it, Chris. <laughs> and you know why he's pointing to JP2? Because JP2 is the one that beatified and canonized him. So he's giving him a, a high five. And so, yeah, that would be my encouragement. And then your question was, how about after the election? Yeah. Keep going. I mean, if you yeah. didn't vote pro-life and right now you're like, ooh, I got a little bit of Catholic guilt going. Catholic guilt is good. That's <laughs> like pain for the soul. And yeah. guess what? We have ointment for that. Hit the sacrament of reconciliation if you feel like, ugh, I shouldn't have done it for pride reasons. You know, Pat's speaking truth. Go to the sacrament of reconciliation. Confess that. Confess yeah. that culpability. I'm, you know, people, who speaks like this? I'll tell you who speaks like this, Chris. The guy over my right shoulder, yeah. St. Pio. You remember yeah. this guy in the confessional? Where he'd send people, yeah, he'd send Get people away and say, yeah. you've got to mean it when you come back. Yep. So we're, we're Catholic. And so after the election, um, we keep doing what we did before the election, which is we believe, so we speak. Speak yeah. up, encourage, live it. I'll Amen. pause there. <laughs> and, and, one, no, and one thing people got to remember too is that, uh, you know, this national stuff, it really, really matters a lot. You know, we've got uh, mm -hmm. uh, Supreme Court J Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Wow. Know, and people are thinking about, you know, what about the future overturning Roe v. Wade? we got to remember okay. this issue comes back to the states if Roe v. It Wade does. is overturned. And, and we got to, what we're working for really is, is God willing someday abortion is not just illegal, but it's unthinkable. We believe it. Yeah, we got to believe every, it to end every, it. And every child is, is received with yes. joy. And every, every woman who, every mother who's pregnant with a child is, is, is reassured, comforted, and supported. So let's, uh, we've, Pat, we've got about, I don't know, eight or so minutes left. Okay. Let's pivot just a bit, um, talk some life runners. You guys do right. a lot more than just running. And I was looking at some of the bishops that you've got wearing the jersey now. I see Bishop DeGrood, uh, our new bishop here in Diocese of Sioux Falls. The, the yes. Vermilion Life Runners, the University of South Dakota Life Runners chapter formed just in the last few months. Yeah. And they've got like 50 Life Runners on campus. In just a few months, they collided with them. 
and uh, got him a jersey, got, got him, he asked if he, you know, the thumbs up to recognize him as a life runner. And he said, yep, I'll wear it. And they sent me a picture. Oh, uh, beautiful. Group. And I, I see Bishop Gruce on there too, the former Bishop of Rapid mm-hmm. City. And I now imagine, Michigan. I mean, I, I, I don't want to unfairly uh, speak prematurely here, but I, I'm assuming it's just a matter of time before, before some of the teammates um, corner our dear Bishop uh, Mewich, who is brand new to the Diocese of Rapid City as of July. Absolutely. So, anyhow, it's a, it's a great, great team. And as I was saying, you do a lot more than just run. I mean, there's a lot going yeah. on. And you've got this law of life uh, – <laughs> What's it called? The Law of Life Summit. The Law of Life Summit. Can tell us about that. So that's tonight. I don't know if anyone's going to get to, you know, this is, we're, we're having this conversation on October 29th. And so they yeah. can go to law of life, um, lawlife.org and they can get the link to, to join tonight at 7.30 PM central time. Uh, the, it's a neat panel. It's going to be election 2020. We got Bishop Pat Rocky from yeah. Springfield, Illinois, and he's a very vocal Catholic bishop speaks truth. He's in the news. He's bold. Um, we're also going to have Lieutenant Governor Mike Foley from Nebraska, uh, also a life runner. And so he's going to, you know, he's going to speak perspective on the politics. We have Representative Peter Breen, who is a representative from the, the Thomas More Society, yeah. who does a lot of representation for pro-lifers uh, with the law and, and some other guests. Uh, Jason Jones, who produced the movie Bella. If yeah. folks remember the movie Bella, pro-life yeah. movie, and it'll just be a great conversation. And that will be for an hour tonight, 730 Central to 830 Central. And, it's, and it really is a great, as we kind of wind down our conversation, Chris, it puts into action what we're saying. It's conversation. People are visiting. They're talking. They're sharing. And, and that matters. I mean, we all know the power of having a, a, a personal invitation we know the power of a personal recommendation. And so that kind of body of Christ community, that genuine community, it impacts people, it influences. So who in your sphere can you influence? And then your other part you ask is what are things the life runners do? Life runners like to find ways to prevent abortion. And so we put a lot of our energies in the schools. So anyone listening that doesn't have a school life runners chapter, we have those chapters in private schools. Christian and Catholic schools, as well as public schools. And would you believe, Chris, it's easier to start a Life Runners chapter in a public school because you don't need a uniform exception. Uh, but if your principal at a Catholic school or Christian school, that's the big hump, then just tell them this way. This is the preeminent issue, so it can be the preeminent exception <laughs> to allow kids to wear a shirt on the first Wednesday of the month to school that says, remember the unborn on the back and yeah. a cross on the front and a Holy Spirit dove in Jeremiah 1, five. Why is that a big deal? Because it's peer-to-peer ministry, it's discipleship, it's putting your pro-life faith in action. It's not just identifying as pro-life, but Chris, it's being pro-life. And I yeah. love that about our Life Runners team, that just a shirt, wearing your witness allows you to be pro-life. Well, and one thing too that people maybe picked up on as we were talking is like, you and I are pretty Catholic guys. We're talking about like bishops and Padre Pio and John Paul, but <laughs> Life Runners, this organization, it's, it's for everybody. Correct. Right? It's very ecumenical. Um, and you don't even have to be a Christian, actually. Is that true? So the, the demographics, I'll break those down to all your yeah. points, is there's over 16,000 Life Runners, and those Life Runners are in 2,577 cities across 39 nations. 
Further demographics, one third of life runners, over 5,000 are ages 22 and younger. That's what I was commenting on, that we really want to get to young people and help them be pro-life so they're able to defend their faith, pro-life apologetics, have a conversation, be bold enough to have that conversation so that when they're in college and their roommates talking about aborting their baby, they would say, hey, whoa, hey, you want to visit about the biology, the politics, the theology? Do you want to visit about that? Because I'm happy to visit with you about that and encourage them. You know, for example, Chris, you might remember this stat with Life Runners, 78% of post-abortion mothers said if just one person had encouraged them to choose life, they wouldn't have aborted their child. Think about that. So when you're a life runner wearing your witness, you set yourself aside. You're blessed. Remember, to be blessed means to be set aside as a person of faith that's defending life. And just by wearing the jersey that says, remember the unborn, imagine a woman in crisis reading that in a grocery store line or reading it when she's driving by you while you're walking around the neighborhood. She said that that level of encouragement is all she needs in this world. Just one little light in the darkness. Well, so, um, those are ways. You know, and some other, maybe somebody listening is, is also picking up and like, eh, hold on, you're talking about some other stuff besides running too. So you don't necessarily, what if I'm not like not a runner per right. se? Right. You know? So this Can is I, maybe if, the best, if someone hung with us, Chris, this long, you know, the yeah. Marine guy and the Air Force guy, and here we are, yeah. iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17. And all they've been hearing is, <laughs> and suddenly they're like, this is going to really, this is the best news of, of our conversation. Yeah. Running optional. Yeah. Half the team, 8,000 non-runners and 8,000 runners. And I'll even do a dot, dot, dot. And here it comes. I like to say that the non-running life runners are better life runners because you can read their jersey easier. <laughs> Remember the unborn when they're walking. And that's why, that's why we have ages 0.1. Yep. Little baby onesies. Remember the unborn. Imagine the power of that witness, uh, carrying a little baby in a onesie. It says, remember the unborn all the way to 101. That's beautiful. Pat, we've got got about a a minute left. What what do we need to say? I mean, you know, how about we use this time for the Lord? um, And we just remind ourselves that really it's a spiritual battle. And I'm going to pray the Life Runners Creed. And folks can find this at liferunners.org slash creed. And they can also join the team and order a jersey at liferunners.org creed. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We believe in the dignity of all human life from conception to natural death. We run as a prayer to defend children in the womb so that they may be born and united with our Christian community. We run to build endurance for the race is long. And we must keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord. We run for awareness. So our culture will view all human life as a reflection of your glory, Lord. We run for charity to provide support for mothers and fathers tempted to abort their child and healing support for post-abortion women, men, and families. We run to end abortion for Christ died so that all may live. Guard us all, born and unborn, with your peace, Lord. For in you, life is victorious. We pray and run in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dr. Pat <laughs> Castle, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to visit. You got it, Chris. All in Christ. Or pro-life. And thank you, dear listeners, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, live well. 